to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 6, Episode 7, which is titled Humpty Dumpty. The episode aired on November 18th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago? One of Pixar's best films ever, Toy Story 2, starring Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, makes its red carpet debut in Los Angeles, California. I know that's really divisive. I know a lot of people didn't like Toy Story 2. It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm just saying, like, I, I never heard people talk about it in, in, like, preference to one. Oh, I prefer it to one vastly. Yeah, I think it's pretty, I don't know. I, I For me, I think it goes, uh, having not seen four, I think it's one of the rare movie franchises that gets better with mm-hmm. each and I would agree like, with you. I just, for some reason, I always interpreted it as an underdog. But, neat. Um, people just don't like, uh, what's it? Is it Jason Alexander? No, it's not Jason Alexander who plays the villain. It's Newman. Newman. I can't remember the actor's name. Well, yeah. Wayne Knight. Yes. Wayne Knight. Uh, Lizzie's favorite Kevin Smith movie, Dogma, starring Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Linda Fiorentino, and Jason Lee, begins its theatrical run. Due to rights issues, the movie has somewhat vanished since its limited Blu-ray release in 2008. However, the full film, the full film is available in HD for free on YouTube. Basically... Uh, the Weinstein that's in his Harvey Weinstein is the one that's in jail. Yes. Right. Basically he exclusively has the rights to streaming some, he has the exclusive rights to the movie somehow, Like he himself, not even his company. Mm. So he just has never done anything with them. So literally there's no one else to give a fuck that the movie's free on YouTube. <laughs> there's no yeah. one else can copyright strike it. Kevin, Kevin Smith has done an, a, a really, really excellent job of like, distancing himself from Harvey Weinstein and like making it perfectly clear that he was only not only not aware of anything that he was doing but was like but is not does not condone it is you know he's basically mm-hmm. like washed his hands of Harvey Weinstein entirely but it does make going back and revisiting what was usually the most ex the, the best part of any Kevin Smith DVD release the special features mm-hmm. nearly unwatchable because he is all over them like Harvey Weinstein is all over every inch of Kevin Smith's movies in spread because he was, I mean, he was like his main distributor. He was the, he was the guy who gave him his like big break. So, you know, he's all over the, the, the stuff. Like there's the, the uh, clerk's uh, 10th anniversary DVD set that has this amazing documentary on it that goes into like the film uh, and like the, the, the making of it and everything. And there's just this whole segment of it that is just slobbering all over Harvey Weinstein. And it's like, uh, oh, man. We didn't know. <laughs> but this week, though, Pokemon, the first movie, You Two Strikes Back, takes box office crown its second week of release. I was probably in that theater. Daniel and a dozen yeah. of his closest friends see the movie in theaters for his 10th birthday. Odd. <laughs> Daniel, you had a dozen friends. Uh, that that's an exaggeration, <laughs> a complete and total exaggeration. I definitely, I, I, I was definitely a group of friends, but I don't remember how many of them there were. It was one of those like school party things where mm-hmm. your classmates come. I definitely remember seeing that with my best, my two best, two of my best friends who are both named Sam. Definitely remember going to the movie theater with both of them. I don't quite remember seeing this in theaters. I remember having the VHS, and I remember the excellent short that came before it. This oh yeah 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 the this, um the like the spa day or whatever it was yeah they yeah all yeah go to the resort yeah I love that one where they're all looking after Togepi. This started a run for me of birthdays for like the next three or four years after this because like the the 
all the birthdays prior to this, it was always like you do something different for your birthday mm-hmm. every like there was, you know, the we go to the skating rink or we go to the theme park or we mm-hmm. go wherever. Like this started like a three or four year run of like, I'm now a little too old for that. So we're just going to go to the movies every year, <laughs> like, yeah. which is still fun, but just still fun. Yeah. But I, like, I think after this, we did a couple of years of seeing Harry Potter movies for my birthday. And like, it was just, it was nice. The last time I had a birthday like that, we went to Digimon, the first movie. Yeah. Mm. That track or, or Digimon, the movie, not the first movie, Digimon, the movie. And Spanish Harlem Mona Lisa's Everywhere Rejoice because Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas is still the number one song. <sighs> well, it's gonna, not, Daniel. It, it's going to end one day. It's going to end one day. Probably sooner than still, we think. Still not as bad as Boys to Men. I'll take this. Yeah, probably that's, sooner that's than true. we think in, in our timeline because obviously the midseason break is coming up. True. Very true. Uh, as far as what else was on at 8 p.m. Friends with the episode The One with Ross's Teeth gross uh at 8 30 friends <laughs> uh with a second episode uh but it was a rerun at 9 frazier with the episode the late dr crane and at 9 30 stark raving mad with the episode the stalker this week's episode had 28.7 million viewers tuning in this week's episode is directed by jonathan kaplan doing his 10th out of 40 previous one of his from this season was leave it to weaver and this week's episode is written by Neil Bear, doing his 15th out of 18 episodes. Previous one, uh, or the last time we talked about him, uh, was back in season five's Middle of Nowhere. So uh, right at the top, we're just going to lay down a pretty big trigger warning for sexual assault talk on this one. Uh, one of the main patients is, un- is unfortunately the victim of sexual a victim of sexual assault, and also the assaulter is also mm-hmm. one of the main patients. So that will be a through line through most of this episode. I, um, assailant. Assailant? Assailant. Assailant. Assault. It's not, it's not assaulter. assaulter. It's assailant. If I recall correctly. <laughs> I just need a button to press. Every time, there, every time there's a talk of sexual assault where it's just Carter saying, is this about that rapist? <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> This is going to be a long one, folks. Button up. Oh, but oh my God. Folks, that laptop. That laptop that Mark has. And he's using it to play Tetris with with the sound on. What a rude motherfucker. And and with the like CD case, uh, like very prominently displayed right next to it. Oh, I missed that. Somebody was getting some money at some point because there's like it's just like perfectly framed right next to the camera, right next to the uh, laptop there. We, we haven't had a good video game placement in a while. No, it's true. It's very true. Uh, but it's 530 in the morning and we learn Mark's dad is coming in for Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. And Corday is like joking about the sleeping arrangements and he was like, oh, yeah, him and me will sleep in the bed. You can lay it, be on the couch. Mark says that. right? Mark says that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's just just so so good. He's like, this could be a little uncomfortable. Love it. Um, Hale wakes Benton up from the on-call room. Very, very reminiscent of Lydia in episode one. And she just got on shift, and it is already, and she is already over her day. It is clearly a busy trauma or just time in the ER. And right after that, uh, Carrie says, nothing like a trauma to start your day. Because Benton's <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> Um, and we learned that it's because a choir bus from Louisville got hit by a semi. And to, t- and to make matters worse for Benton, Carter is the triage officer <laughs> for the day because he is a senior resident and has requested more responsibility. I wish this had gone through more of the episode than it did. It's still an excellent bit, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... it's. 
I was gonna grab the audio of it, but then, but then, but then I was like, no, there's the physical part of it is actually him with his little clipboard his and facial him, expressions, and his facial expressions, and how high and mighty he looks. It's just it seals it as a per, as a great bit. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been it would have been the best bit if it were not for another physical bit of his later in the episode that is just the visual of it made me laugh. And it's not even that he does anything. It's just that he stands up and it makes the goofiest just motion. I, we'll get to it when we get there, but it was my yeah. favorite. But yeah, Benton rightly replies, Oh God, this is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Carter is going absolute mad with power, supervising everyone's patience. I should say he's micromanaging everyone's patience. And he's, we just get like, yeah, like it's just a lovely, like couple minute long montage of, Carter just making his way through the yard. Oh, this person! Wait, this person might not need an X-ray. And then he put, and then he just pokes the foot that's probably broken. And he says, "Oh yeah, no, they need X-ray. Take the radiology." Yeah. Uh, and I want to know, in with bangs. And this was an excellent episode. Open. It's well paced. It's funny. It starts us off light for what is very soon going to be a very dark episode. And it was just, it was a fun little opener. Yeah, I, th- I think pretty much once they get into the trauma room with Benton, I think from there it's pretty much just a, a straight oneer. Like the whole open is just like there's not really much. Of yeah, I wasn't 100 percent sure if it was a complete oneer, but there there may be one or two small ones, but for the most part, we really do just follow Carter all throughout mm-hmm. the entire ER, uh, and then they kind of spin the camera around him at the end, which is at that point they're just showing off. Um, but we come out of the intro to uh, Carol sitting at the admit desk looking at a magazine. Uh, apparently she's going to be filling in. No Andrew this week. Uh, she's going to be filling in on the desk since we have uh, a shortage of desk clerks. Uh, and Carrie thanks her for filling in. And Carol's like, well, there's not much else I can do anyway. <laughs> like she, After last week's episode, like she's pretty uh, – she's very pregnant at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carrie is – Mama bearing pregnant Carol very, very hard, uh, not letting her do anything and instructing Connie to get her a stool to put her feet up on. Yeah, Connie's sass in this part just killed me. She's like, can I get you anything else? I know. I would like to point out, too, that when Connie was pregnant back in season two, no such accommodations were made for her. Like, they had her working up until the day she gave birth. So, Well, Carrie wasn't in charge of the ER. I guess that's true, yeah. Morgan Stern just hates pregnant people, apparently. Apparently so. Um, but hey, Luca is back. Hey! Uh, if there if there's anything good to come out of the events of last week's episode, it's that hey, maybe we'll be getting the Croatian guy a little bit more, more regularly. Uh, but Carol, <laughs> Carol's quick to point out. I thought you went south for the winter. Uh, <laughs> and then he's trying to describe to her. Uh, she she says that she looks like a pumpkin with mm-hmm. her uh pregnant belly, and he's like, first he doesn't know what a pumpkin is. So she has to explain. And then he's like, no, you look like this other thing that I didn't get the spelling for of what it is. And she was like, you know, it, it's it's the the translation between the two of them. And I, I went and looked, and the word that he uses to describe her is the Slavic word for watermelon. So close. So, so close. Uh, but we go from there. We see Peter working on a laser surgery on a liver laceration. Try saying that five times fast. Lizzie, don't do it. I know you're going to. Uh <laughs> Uh, when uh, Corday comes in and he asks for some time off for his custody case. Hmm. Reese custody case. Won't be the only custody case that he goes through with little baby Reese, unfortunately. Um, but he gets uh, called on scene in the middle of it for a trauma, uh, but Lizzie steps up and takes it so that he can wrap up the surgery. It's easier if you do laser surgery, liver laceration versus liver laceration, laser surgery. 
She's been glad. sitting here mouthing that to herself yep. the whole time. <laughs> yep, glad glad to know we did the the legwork on that. Well, let's go into an audio clip so I can do so I can do more of it. Uh, Romano and Carrie are at an emergency services meeting. Your ER compliance rate is a meager seventy eight percent for the pneumonia clinical pathway. Really, Carrie, I expected better from you. This is only the first month's data. All the nurses haven't been in service yet. Well, let's shoot for a minimum of ninety percent next month, shall we, ladies? Sorry, we're late. To what do we owe the unexpected pleasure of Dr. Carter's company? Oh, uh, Carter wanted administrative experience, so I appointed him as the new resident representative. I thought I told you. No, you didn't say squat. Carrie, do you know anything about this? Carter asked. I said no. Ah, so it appears Dr. Carter's been playing mommy against daddy. I can step out if you'd like to discuss this. Uh, there's nothing to discuss, Carter. Have a seat. Really? Are you comfortable sending the message to our residents that their opinions are worthless and uh, they're just here to serve you? Actually, I'd be completely comfortable with that. But since I admire the deviousness with which you got yourself here... Good. Carter, welcome to the Emergency Services Committee. Unfortunately, I have to take off. So, Carter, can you uh, take good notes? So, what's on the agenda? I love how this whole episode is punishing Carter for taking initiative. <laughs> Everything about that that whole scene is just perfection. Like, yep. Romano being a dick. Like, I love his 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 line read there of just like that's exactly the message I want. Actually, yes, I would. <laughs> yes, I would. I would love that. And then I love that Mark gets to like flex a little bit of muscle against uh, Carrie and. Um, Romano and then immediately uses Carter to get out of being in this meeting at all. <laughs> like, goes immediately back to like old Mark who doesn't want to be involved in meetings and doesn't want to have any extra responsibility, just wants to work in the ER. And yeah. it's just, and then Carter too, with the perfect, again, perfect comedic timing at the end there. of just like, like clicks the pen and is like, so what's on the agenda? Like just, mm. <laughs> yep. Uh, then we go over to Lucy working with a kid who is experiencing weight loss and fever. Mom is adamant that he's on drugs and wants to get him tested. And uh, both our mom and uh, the boy here are uh, somewhat recognized. Mom less so than the boy. Uh, but the- we note them both here because they're both making their first of two appearances. Mom is played by actress Roxanne Hart, who appeared in stuff like Highlander, Chicago Hope, and Letters from Iwo Jima. Uh, and as I said, is making her first of two appearances. And then the son, the boy, Chad Kottmeyer, is played by a definite, oh, hey, it's that guy. And some would say a bona fide movie star. Yeah, uh, bona fide. In... I would say bona fide movie star. Maybe not yeah. so much these days, but like definitely from the aughts. Yeah, late aughts for sure. He was uh, definitely kind of an it boy for a while there. Emil Hirsch, uh, who was in stuff like Into the Wild, uh, The Girl Next Door, and Speed Racer, among many other things. First of two appearances for him as well. Uh, and having lived in Alaska, the Into the Wild story is uh, both kind of a notorious one up there and also kind of like uh, they hate being known for that. <laughs> like they really hate that story and they really hate that kid. So it's uh, it's a great movie, though. Really enjoy the movie. Thanks for, for beaming into my brain and getting the two movies that I know exa- him exactly from, The Girl Next Door and Speed Racer. Milk. Oh, Yeah. He wasn't. There, he must have. He? he must have been like a Sean Penn favorite for a while or something, because he was in a lot of things that he was in, or and that he was a, involved in producing. And once upon a time in Hollywood, was he? He's the ex. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We're so just gonna keep more naming recently. His yeah, more <laughs> recently you've seen him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Anyway, 
Or what happens? Uh, Cleo steps in to assist because technically this is a peds case. Uh, Lucy tells Cleo not to correct her in front of patients because Cleo tries to mediate between the mom and Chad and get him tested because Chad doesn't refuse testing. And um, Lucy says, er, and Cleo says, sometimes it's best to take the path of least resistance. Like, good that you want to advocate, but sometimes just fucking do the thing. Uh, and Lucy gets snippy and says, Cleo can take the case then. Rut row. Totally fine. Totally fine. Uh, and then we get a brief kind of transitional patient uh, slash sort of a comic relief bit a little bit. Um, as a next uh, trauma comes in, a gunshot wound to the shoulder. Uh, the husband shot her. Uh, as he was trying to scare the hiccups out of her, which is, uh, of all the home remedies I've heard for getting the hiccups scared out of you, uh, pointing a gun at somebody was uh, not among them. Haven't heard that one before. Uh, let's not try that one more. Yeah, let's let's not. Let's. I'm sorry. The 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 random, completely off topic side road my brain just went down was very strange. So you're right. Great, great plan to not shoot me if I have hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Gary pulls Carter off of the trauma to work on positive charts to do callbacks for people who need antibiotics. Uh, and he's like, why do I feel like I'm being punished for <laughs> for asking for more administrative experience? And she's like, well, you asked for it. This is what the job is. Uh, and our hiccups lady here, um, who really this is a total like blink and you miss it kind of patient. Like they really just blow past the... Uh, the admit desk as they're wheeling them into the trauma room and we get kind of the the blow by uh explanation from the husband as to what happened uh but our hiccups lady here babette is the character's name is played by actress maria maestas mccann who had appearances and stuff like the practice southland and the district and uh we go to where corday is was called to a car pileup being split between four local hospitals and most definitively shot uh, on Lakeshore Drive near the museum camp near the museum campus. We think it's Lakeshore Drive and Roosevelt. Yeah, if not a little bit, if it, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm 99 sure it's Lakeshore and Roosevelt, but if if not a tiny bit south, but not too much, not as far south as Soldier Field. Okay, now we're just nobody's gonna know. <laughs> I'm just yes. You're is right. that I'm, is that near where we were walking uh, when we walked sort of some of Lakeshore Drive? No, it's a little for it's a little further south. It would have been closer to um Yeah, no, it's it's a it's about another probably half mile south from where we were. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But a man is stuck in the car under a truck. Uh, his name is Dean and he's somehow upside down in the car and bleeding a ton. Oh boy. This storyline. Uh Dean is played by actor Lawrence Monoson. Monoson? Mon- sure. Sure. Uh, appeared in Monsoon. stuff. Monsoon. <laughs> sure. Appeared in stuff like Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which once again, I cannot stress enough, is not the final chapter of that uh, movie <laughs> series. Uh, Mask and what was unquestionably my nickname in high school, The Last American Virgin. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, he is making his first of four appearances. Oh, and then we get Carol at the admit desk, so sassy, not really being helpful to anybody, and she is crocheting a hat that Lucy thinks is a blanket, and Dave asks her for some, like, test or order or whatever, and she's like, I can't do it, I'm working phones, like, I'm I'm off commission, then all of a sudden the phone rings, and Dave has called her from the payphone to ask for his gram stain order, since technically then it's a phone call. Excellent, excellent work from Dr. Dave this episode. I was gonna say, I'm really trying, like, I... 
I don't like that the the positive interactions that we've had with Eric Palatino are coloring my I interpretation told- of. <laughs> Because so far, I am not hating him yet. I'm sure I, I will learn to hate him at some point, but did, it hasn't happened yet. We did scold him on Instagram for that. We said, you can't make us like you. We need to be objective for our analysis. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. It's not going great so far. Damn you, Eric Palladino. Just kidding. You're a treasure. Uh, but then we go back over to Roosevelt and Lakeshore. Uh, the violent, a violent crimes detective is checking in on Dean, and the detective is played by... Detective is played by actor Leo Rossi, who appeared in stuff like The Accused, Halloween 2, and analyzed this 112 credits to his name. Um, apparently Dean carjacked a woman this morning, but she's not in the car. And uh, Dean has cut his carotid artery. You know, totally fine. Uh, and the Field Museum is in the background. Corday is asking, tries, tries to ask Dean where the woman is, and the and the EMT is listening with like. With some, su- I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's a uh, Olbus. Thank you. I could yeah, not Olbus. think of her name. Yeah, um, but she's listening with super side eye because Corday has her heel turn, and <laughs> and she sa- and she utters the line, "You tell me where she is, or I'll let you bleed to death." Oof. Maybe her and, and she- Mark are meant to be together. Yeah, and she's in. I mean, sure. Lincoln Park, uh, the woman is in Lincoln Park under the bridge, which I couldn't figure out what bridge. I'm telling you, I think it has to be one of the overpasses right by, like, the marinas. That's the only place I can think. I guess. If we're going by actual Chicago geography. Yeah. Uh, but then the helicopter touches down on the roof, and it's not the usual hospital roof, because we can see Soldier Field, the lake, CNA building, and my office from there. I was very excited to see my office because I was like, oh, I haven't been there in three years. Um, <laughs> this is the normal one is way further southwest than this one from the best we can tell. So this was this was much closer to the yeah. lake and the east side yeah. of the city. Not a ton more south, but way more west for sure. Yep. And Dean is being held for attempted murder, which him being handcuffed makes the examination in the trauma room a little bit tricky. So. <sighs> Well, the hits just keep on coming as we go back down to the admit desk where uh, Carol gets a visit from a new nurse character who we are just meeting for the first time and an entirely new section of the hospital that we are just meeting for the first time. Uh, nurse Rogers from the prison ward, uh, which apparently County has a prison ward, which we will I, apparently. I, I don't think that's normal for most hospitals to have. Uh, just not really. Yeah, not, not thinking it would be. Uh, but Nurse Rogers here is played by actress Marilyn Sue Perry, who appeared in stuff like Enchanted, the TV series Bones, and Under One Roof. And she is making her first of two appearances through 2001. Uh, and she is here to provide a little bit of an update on Meg, uh, that she is off heroin and delivered her baby safely and is looking to see Carol. Mm-hmm. Clearly to thank her for getting her arrested. Absolutely. Updates to come on that one. Uh, but Carter uh, is trying to get into uh, he stops by the admin desk and is trying to get into uh, the incoming trauma uh, that Corday is involved with. But he gets pulled away because he needs to get fitted for a TB mask. And Carrie expects him to set a good example for the rest of the residents and insists he go do it. Hmm. Hmm. More to come on that as well. My favorite part of the episode. Uh, <laughs> but we go from there uh, back to Dean's trauma. He is running out of blood. Uh, they are The blood bank is short on Oneg, uh, but he has a blood donor card identifying his blood type as B positive. Um, <laughs> P 
heat is assisting I, in the trauma. Hey, you know what? Sometimes <laughs> things are happening fast, and I go with the shortest name to write. Peter is assisting on this trauma, and Lauren? Whose films are those? Uh, they convince, uh, under the threat of bolt cutters, they convince the uh, cop in the room to uh, uncuff Dean from the gurney so that they can roll him and check his back for further injuries. Uh, and uh, Benton tries to convince Lizzie to uh, step aside and let him handle it, but she wants to stay with him and see them through. Then we go over to Lucy working on the choir director, uh, Mr. Owens. He's breathing pretty rapidly, so she checks out his lungs. Uh, and who's playing this ch- this lovely gentleman? Yeah, Mr. Owens, our choir leader here, uh, is played by actor Carl Gordon, who appeared in stuff like Jag, Rock, and No Mercy. And uh, as you might imagine by his age in this episode, he did pass away in 2010. I'm so trashy because of where I am in Attitude Era. I was like, he was in No Mercy. Why was he in that I know. I know. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing as I was doing it. And now the song popped in my head. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, but he has, but this gentleman has uh, wet lungs. Uh, and he's turned down further tests because he's got to get got to get back to their choir convention yep uh then we learn dean might need a blood vessel embolized so they call radiologist steve yay radiologist steve um (laughs) the woman he kidnapped is wheeled into the other trauma room and they are still waiting on his blood uh i want to know again subject warning trigger warning we're about to get into the darker stuff for the episode so last chance to jump rails we will not shame you and we will see you next week we love you take care of yourself um luca and carrie begin working on the victim uh she was stabbed but she was also very clearly sexually assaulted and they need to document it so carrie tells yosh to go get the evidence camera so they can photograph it um, and the detective is trying to get info while she's being treated and like half awake. And it's Carrie's like, can you give us some room, please? Can you let us do our jobs? Like, back up. It'll keep. Um, and her name is Sandra, and she is asking for her husband. Oof. So the detective instead goes to watch Dean's trauma, and Dean has white right-sided weakness. Uh, but they got got the blood, though, and the detective stops them from throwing out his clothes because evidence i love how they were like they could have a stranger's blood on it too now because some of the donor blood mm-hmm. yeah, splashes yeah, the yeah, clothes yeah. And he's like doesn't matter it'll have hers or it won't but like we need to keep it i like benton's very matter of fact line too where she's like he's got right-sided weakness and benton just goes you cut off his carotid like <laughs> what do you expect uh, but we go from there back to Sandra. Uh, she's been given a liter of blood and uh, has already lost that much. So they're they're not really gaining any ground. They're just kind of breaking even here. Uh, they need more O-negative blood. Chuni is running around asking all the staff members what their uh, blood type is. Uh, and turns out Carter is O-negative and gets pulled away from his TB mask fitting to transfuse. And <laughs> this is my favorite part of the episode because the <laughs> mask that he is wearing is the most ridiculous thing. He looks like a duck. Yes. I mean, he looks like... Do you know in Austin Powers, like, towards the end, when Dr. Evil's in his, like, big suit with the, like... uh, It's like his biohazard suit, and every time he breathes, it raises up on his face, and he has to push it back down. That's what I was picturing when I'm looking at Carter (laughs) with this stupid... It's like a halo and a plastic bag, and it's just... 
and, and the actual like face mask. Right. And then they follow him with it as he's walking with the camera. And it just, Oh my God, it kills me every time I watch it. Um, but this is actually a little bit of a, uh, all in the family breadcrumb from later in the season. Um, we find out here that Carter's blood type is O negative, which will come into play, uh, when we get to the, the post stabbing, uh, events of all in the family as they get him set down in the, uh, trauma room to donate the blood. Uh, <sighs> he, he gets scolded to keep your arm straight. This is a needle, not a catheter. Yikes. Mm. It just, it makes me think far too acutely of what actually is happening when they stick an IV in your arm for stuff. Yeah. It was just like, eh, no. Um, but the detail on Dean's neck wound while Lizzie and Benton are working on it is so gross and so well done. And holy shit, sometimes I forget to actually take a moment to appreciate the prop work that these teams do. But oh my God. Because <laughs> they're like trying to um, clamp off where in the artery it is and do a little um, shunt. And then Carrie tells Carter to go get orange juice and a cookie in the lounge as he trips over a tray saying he's fine. She's like, no, go. You've done enough. You literally donated blood. Go have a juice box and a nap nap. You'll be fine. (laughs) I was going to say, might she be suggesting a juice box and a nap nap? Is Carter part of the juice box and nap nap squad? Mm, I might allow it. We'll, we'll allow it this week. Uh, but we go from there. Uh, Sandra's husband arrives uh, and is in shock that she is alive. Uh, the husband here is played by actor Chris Ufland. Ufland. Uh, he was in stuff like the Hawaii Five O reboot, uh, the TV series Bosch, uh, which has a surprising number of ER alumni, uh, and NCIS New Orleans, which I think is where CCH Pounder landed when she fell out of the Shadow Realm. If Bosch wasn't such propaganda, from what I've heard, I might give it a shot. But I've heard it's. You mean the episode? You mean the series that I start tried to start to watch just because it has so many ER people in it? But yeah. then I stopped, like, after the first episode because the guy murders the cop murders someone and gets away with it cleanly. Yeah. Again, because there's so many ER alum in it, I'm like. Like Lauren said, I'm I'm inclined to want to watch it, but then I realized that what I really want is just a buddy cop comedy with Jerry and Frank. Like yeah. I, I really just want Jerry and Frank as yeah. bumbling detectives. So, Daniel, here's your mission: you need to watch Bosch for all of us Oof. and clip out their scenes. That's Oof. all you need to do. Just do a supercut, put it on Vimeo. <laughs> like nobody needs to know about us. Uh, well, we'll see. Well, in three years, when you have no other weird projects That's left right. to do for this show. That's right. Uh, well, Both of you assume it's only going to be three. Well, we go from there. Uh, Halle goes over to a, an adjoining room to ask the choir to stop singing because uh, it was distracting Carrie from their trauma. Um, we pass uh, Chad in the hallway, who has to pee. Uh, but we find out when Cleo gets to the desk that his tox screen came back negative, but his liver tests were abnormal. Hmm. The plot thickens. Uh, Carol then nearly faints at admit and uh, Cleo and Dave help her to the floor. Uh, We'll check back in on Carol in just a moment. We go back to the trauma room where Sandra has been cut open by Carrie and there are a whole bunch of hands all up in her chest cavity. You, you can tell when I'm really into a part of an episode because my caps locks go wild. (laughs) Things get short and I'm just like zoned in just in her chest. She is. Yeah. Lauren was in the zone for this, and every doctor in this room was inside of Sandra's chest. Uh, And we also find out that Dean is being taken up for that embolization they talked about. 
And then we get to my personal favorite part of this episode, just because of the way they shoot it. Um, so you just get the you get the shot of the husband looking into the trauma room, Corday coming out, starting to explain what's going on, what they're what they're doing, what's going on. And then he just asks, "Why are they stopping?" Ugh. Ugh. Brutal. And Absolutely brutal. It just slowly pans in and carried bring as just as the I believe the camera's slowly panning in mm-hmm. a little bit during yeah. this during this whole thing. But then um Carrie but then Carrie just comes into the shot and pulls him into the trauma room. And uh, Lauren says there's a striking sign to... in the background that as he's saying goodbye that says men and something else indecipherable. It's it's just one of those things where like sometimes you just notice a weird sign and like you can't <laughs> tell. It's a black and white sign. It looks like a man is maybe dancing. And, like, there's clearly something. It's being targeted at men, maybe. And it just says men in huge letters. And it's supposed to be this really poignant moment. And all I could do was look in the back at this stupid, weird sign. And I couldn't couldn't feel my feelings. Hold, please. Oh, God. Because <gasps> now I want to look. Like, oh, God. Well, that Daniel just has the episode up to fast forward through. Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, yep, I see it. Wow, that is kind of distracting. Yeah, right? It just says men. Yep, you can't read the rest <laughs> of it at all. Yeah, no, you really can't. It's like just enough out of focus that you can't see the like what's around it. But it's just like a guy, and the E is like perfectly framed over his groin. Why? Right? <laughs> right? Why? It's right? such a strange sign. All right, moving on. Yeah. What happens next? Uh, Carol is up in OB. She's doing okay. She needs to go home and rest for the rest of the pregnancy. She's got a little bit of a low blood pressure. I want to know here, why not Coburn? They bring everybody else fucking back for weird stuff. Why didn't they bring Coburn back for this? I couldn't tell you. Maybe she was off. Maybe she was off on Bosch 20 years early. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, she was off giving, uh, she was off being a mental health provider for Falcon, for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Sure. Maybe that. Uh, but we get the backup uh, OB person here whose uh, name I forgot to write down the character's name, but the actress's name is Stephanie Dunham. And she apparently also appeared in season five's Responsible Parties. And I could not for the life of me remember if we talked about it or not. And I was not going to go back to check the notes to find Prob- out. Probably not. Uh, but she's making her last appearance here. So wave hi and bye to Stephanie here. There go the pretzels. Um. Mark comes in to check on Carol, and we find out Mark's dad did not get off the plane that he was supposed to be on to come to see Mark. And Mark called the neighbor, but the dad is not at home in California either. Where is dad? We have lost the older gentleman. Where is John Collum? Rut-row. Took a detour to Broadway. Uh, But we go check on uh, Chad, who is uh, quite the little self self-righteous shithead here is i don't know if he's a, know, shithead's probably not there that's it's a little harsh but he's just a very he's a drunk. Uh, yeah so. he's a drunk teenager especially yeah uh where he's like your tests are a bunch of crap i hate my stepdad he doesn't say that but uh he's not on drugs not but he's mom but he is drunk uh and he had you know a couple of six packs the night before which as a 32 year old man i would like to point out that i would be clinically dead if we yes. if it was a two six mm-hmm. packs the night before kind of night, just bury me now because I am dead. Uh, he already has liver damage as a teen, uh, and mom is also a presumed alcoholic. So Chad's got a lot going for him at the moment. 
Uh, and then we go back over to the trauma room. Uh, Sandra's husband is sitting with with her body. And in the most gentle, well-acted, what? Just, it's just, this is awful. Like, this is oh, okay. just... <laughs> I thought you were disagreeing with myself. No, I, I like, no, is, no, 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 no. You're scene. absolutely right. The whole thing just is awful. And yeah, but uh, Luca and Carrie asked to speak to him in the hall, but he won't leave her yet. So, and it's another excellent piece of cinematography. Would you call mm-hmm. it or just, just yeah? Um, Luca and Carrie, they are t- they are presented as two faceless doctors standing behind him. And he's trying to process all this information that they're telling her. And when they, and it's so like, and his, you just get his facial reactions throughout the whole thing too. Especially when they say they need to do a rape exam. And it's, and it's, Carrie touches him to humanize the situation. And then they're slowly brought into frame. Yeah. That's a really excellent point that I hadn't really considered or hadn't really like noted or whatever, but you're absolutely right. Like they are just like, out of focus and like it, it's a perfect you're, you're seeing that scene like truly through his point of view i want to take credit for that that was my observation it's it you did you, you done good lauren you done good. i don't do much for this show often but i noticed that <laughs> so radiologist steve has a rock and good beard as he and lizzie work on the embolization of dean i just want to note love my boy radiologist steve um he's the only one who can pull that goatee off in any form <laughs> yeah mark uh, detective comes in because he needs to collect evidence now that the charges have changed to murder one. Ooh, mm, not great. Um, the choir is practicing in the alley as Lucy continues to check on Mr. Owens. Um, he says he'll come back right after the concert. Lucy says she needs him to sign a waiver for an AMA release in that case and tells him not to go anywhere as she runs back inside to get it. And uh, Cleo and Adele are talking about Chad. Adele can give her some treatment options, but they apparently can't remove him from the home for alcoholism, which seems... Weird, right? Yeah, weird. Yeah. Considering he's a teenager. Like, like if it was... So, if it was... If he was drinking in public, he could be arrested, but he is knowingly tested for alcohol. As an underage you, person. And you can't take him. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one that rehab. found that strange, because I was like... And maybe... Maybe that's changed. Jake? Anybody? <laughs> yes. Anybody? Jake. Let us know. What are what are Illinois' laws like in 2022 on well, child alcoholism? Or, or in general, just give us anywheres. We just this just seems off. Did seem a little strange. Uh but uh they go back outside, Cleo and uh Lucy go back outside and find that Mr. Owens has left before they can get him to sign the waiver. And uh Cleo's kind of a little bit of a dick to Lucy about uh, this like she kind of told Lucy to take the take charge on this case and when it goes sideways now all of a sudden it's Lucy's fault and I don't know it's just kind of a kind of a shitty moment there for Cleo um, we also learned that Mark's dad was dropped off at the airport this morning uh, still no sign of him but he at least made it to the airport uh, according to the cab company that dropped him off uh, Carol is, uh, back out from, uh, OB, uh, still working on nurse time cards as Mark tries to kick her out. And she's like, if I don't finish this, the nurses won't get paid. So I also love her line where she said, it will take me just as long to explain to somebody else how to do it as it will for me to do Which it. Which is just Lauren. intense Lauren energy. If I've ever heard it. 
We're working on it. <laughs> we are working on it. My bosses are actively mentoring me in how to cross train and not be the only one. I am learning to say no to things. Yep. It's okay. I get. I was the same way. I'm the same way when I when I'm at work. I I have do it, well, just do past. it myself. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and uh, we got a says. This is, our, in fact, our last episode with one Dr. Gabe Lawrence. So uh, right now, let's get, we're going to have a trio of audio clips with him. Uh, some stuff in between. Alan, anyway. Alan Alda Party. Yeah, Alan, Alan Alda Party. Why not? Um, but let's start with him up with a neurologist. It's a volcano. Whether it's Mount Etna or Vesuvius, I couldn't tell you. Okay, volcano will do. This is ridiculous. I feel like a lab rat. Just bear with me. All right, fine. Just point me to the cheese. What's this? It's a martini glass without the base. Or it's a... It's a cone. Right? Okay, let's try another one. What's this? Those are the picker-uppers that you use to to put the ice in the martini glass. Yeah, they're also called... <laughs> Call them whatever you like. Okay. They're tongs. Great. They're tongs. Who the, who the hell cares? This one? Look, no, look. Stop this nonsense. We're not quite finished yet. I am. I'm not going to sit here and play guessing games with you and a, and a bunch of lousy drawings. I'm sorry. Why don't we take a short break? I'll be right back. No rush. Okay, so... Uh, can I... I personally, like, feel the frustration from Gabe because I, this is something that I struggle with a lot, too. Like, I will just have... It will just be random things at random times. I'll just... I just feel life of me will not be able to pulled the name out of my head even though i know i know it question for things yes does it bother you when i finish your sentence with the word you're looking for or is it a sense of relief because it means you can move on with your thought or is it a little bit of both it's a little bit of both fair but i yes i am i feel i feel the frustration Mm -hmm. yeah i also love the i choose to think is another ode to mash with how much he talks about drinking here. Yeah, apparently it was. Apparently the martini glass thing was totally an ode to his character's uh, fondness for martinis on MASH. Excellent. Um, also, the terrible joke I had was this is all the clips. Oh, boy. Uh, moving on from that, uh, the doctor in this scene with Gabe is a doctor, uh, I believe I believe also named Dr. Chow in the episode. Um, different first name. The actress is uh, Rosalind Chow, who appeared in stuff like the live-action Mulan uh, from 2020, uh, the Laundromat, and the Joy and Luck Club. Uh, and she was also a guest star on the final two episodes of MASH. Uh, and she is our high-watermark uh, actor for this episode. 134 credits to her name. All right. Um, I still have to decide if Mulan 2020 is worth checking out. Hmm. Uh, no, okay. Uh, then we go over to Carrie and Luca doing the rape kit exam on, uh, Sandra's body. This is so, so sad. Oof. But, as always, well-lit, beautiful, soft musical tones to echo the sincerity and horror of the situation. Well done on everybody's part. 
with how they shot this it, it it's an ugly situation to be in and they handle it with as much sensitivity as they can um they do in fact find evidence of assault i'm just gonna leave it at that yeah but there is some slightly explicit evidence shown on that we haven't really um talked about it in this episode but uh, martin is on fire this episode yes mm-hmm. this scene yes. here uh there's at least there was at least like three or four times throughout the episode where i was like god damn martin you don't have to go this hard like it is oh, it's the middle of the it's not even sweep sweep yet it's not even sweep sweep um but yeah there was like this this part and then i think when lizzie um first approaches the crash on the the highway uh and uh when they when they bring him in from the chopper like all of those uh moments are all just insanely scored by martin like he just does an incredible job with him and then like you said lauren the the lighting and the way this this whole scene is shot is uh like the pan around them is so good as they're doing yeah it's just it's a horrific premise for a scene but it's done about as expertly as you could imagine well on that fun note uh, let's go to our next aldo clip uh mark is coming in to check on in on gabe finished up i'm just waiting for the test results have a seat share my boredom grab a cup of coffee sure why not how are things going for a doc who can't practice medicine can't complain called your son he's on his way over oh no look i just i told that neurologist i don't want my son involved you can't enlist in a clinical trial without a caregiver you need someone to be in touch on a daily basis make sure that you take your meds my son is not going to babysit me (laughs) you took care of him when he needed you now it's his turn it's just it i was too busy being a doctor too busy helping everybody else yeah well let your son decide no i'm not going to be a burden to him dr chow is going to be testing a new neurotrope and it could give you some more time what difference is a couple of more months gonna make so you're just giving up because you're too damn proud to ask your son for help if he says yes i'll still end up the, the way i'll end up I don't think I could bear for him to say no. Just talk to him. He might say yes. I think it's too late. I'm going to clean out my locker. Is it just me or is it a little weird for Mark to be the one to have this discussion with him? Yeah. I mean, they didn't really like. Obviously, there was a lot of conflict between these two when they first he first showed up, and they never really like follow up on that at all. Right. Like Mark's just kind of annoyed that he's around, and that's bef- and before it, we even know that he's really struggling. And then we have the gotcha moment, and then this. Yeah, it's it, it's not much of an arc. Like it's a very shallow one. Yeah, it it almost feels like like if I have to shove a reason as to why it's Mark. My get like my my best half-ass guess is that he feels bad for putting him in this situation, putting him in this situation, air quotes, mm-hmm. and that he's trying to you know make amends as best he can for what he must be going through, and make the transition as smooth as possible. Yeah, and they do have before even before we get to like the the 
the the tricking situation where it's you know we really lay all our cards on the table. I guess there is that one brief conversation between the two of them in chairs where he's talking about his son and how he wasn't there for him as a kid and like he jumped out of a tree just so that he could have an excuse to go see him at work and like so like I guess there is a tiny little sliver of of storyline justification. But I also don't know, like, without going to the well one too many times, I don't know that you could have also had this conversation with Carrie. Right. And have it still, you know, and not take away from other things. Because they've been to the, we, we've seen that story play out over and over again. And I think might have been overkill if we did it again. Hear, hear me out, Lucy. Our little adorable bleeding heart, Lucy. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I don't know that she's a better option than um than Mark in this. I don't. The the fact is, is that other than Carrie, there isn't really anybody that he's developed enough of a connection with in his short time there to have it make sense and to have it right. pay off and and seem believable. So I think Mark's as good of a choice as any, but it doesn't mean that it makes uh, complete sense. So right. Um, Lizzie and Peter are scrubbing in when Romano comes in to talk to Lizzie. Uh, he tells her that Dean was the rapist and, um, he heard that she coerced Rollins into giving the information and, um, she admits to doing it and Romano is impressed at her balls, but suggests that maybe she reflect and remember it differently because that admission is not permissible by court because it was done under coercion. And somewhere up deep, deep in the recesses of the hospital, Mark Green has an erection and can't explain why. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, hey. Just it felt like a gust. It just it felt like a gust of wind uh, just came through and was like, oh. It was, it was, it was all the air being let out of Lauren's soul. Uh <laughs> Speaking of speaking of things that make you want to leave your oh, soul. Oh boy! All right, yeah. Here we go. Uh, Carol goes to visit Meg in the uh, shiny new prison ward of County General, which we've just learned exists. That apparently has been there this whole time. That nobody's brought it up in six seasons. Um, I, I want to point out to here what I so this obviously is a part of the hospital that they're not going to go to very often. So I would imagine this was a hastily constructed little like swing set off to the side of, you know, the main stage or maybe even on one of the like secondary sound stages that they would use. And this is based purely on nothing other than the flooring being the same. I'm pretty sure this is also Elaine's apartment from a few episodes ago and they just changed the walls. Oh. <laughs> like oh. the flooring is exactly the same and I'm pretty sure that they just put up new walls and called it good. <laughs> so that makes this even weirder when you consider that just a couple episodes ago, this was where Carter was doing his weird soft coercion bit. Uh, but yeah, uh, Meg is going back to jail uh, and, but she, wants to get her baby Joshua to stay in jail with her for the 10 months that she's going to be in. Uh, and Carol is, she wants Carol to like advocate for this with the, uh, you know, guards, I guess. I don't know who exactly she wants Carol to talk to about this. And Carol is like, yeah, they're not going to like, that's not going to make a difference. Like they're not going to let you have the baby in jail. And Meg just hits her with it. And is like, how can you be so damn self-righteous? And it's like, Oh honey, have you met her baby daddy? Like, <laughs> you don't know self-righteous. 
this is diet self-righteous uh interesting little like and and i have i have not fully formed my opinion on how i feel about it but interesting way to shoot this with the footage on the security cameras where they keep cutting back to this like third person view of the room uh, and you see it in all in black and white and their voices sound like they're coming through walkie talkies like it's it's interesting i don't know if i like it i think it's a i think what may, makes me not like it as much is that this was very much a of the time choice of uh cop shows like police procedurals that were not law and order uh of the time your sh- oh. the shows that would like like law and order didn't do this very much but other cop shows that were like around like third watch third watch would do this sometimes where they would just pretend that security camera footage was the camera and it was just like it had it has kind of that 2000 feel to it that just doesn't age particularly well in my opinion mm. um so i'm not sure how i feel about it uh but carol is uh as you might imagine really wigged out by the whole situation being s- as pregnant as she is and seeing what meg is going through here and how she maybe has a little bit of responsibility for uh how we got to this point so she is kind of pleading to be let out with the guard uh, as we hear Meg begging in the background uh, and we get some very intense audio echoing uh, in the background as she exits um, and this is the last appearance of Meg so we're never going to find out anymore presumably she just goes back to jail and we go from there but and I do want to point out and they all live happily ever after right? well you know what <laughs> you know what we know canonically lives happily ever after because it makes a return in this moment at 3704 as Carol is exiting the, uh, the jail ward, prison ward, whatever you want to call it, uh, over her left shoulder on the right side of frame. You can just barely make out the crack poster, uh, returning from the deep, dark recesses of season three. Hell yeah. We love a good throwback. Um, and then we see Gabe is sitting down in chairs in the ER, waiting for a ride, um, watching the traumas in the ER go by. Uh, Cleo is talking to Chad's mom, and mom downplays how bad the severity of alcohol is compared to the hard drugs she thought him that he was doing. Um, yeah, she's like, "Oh no, I didn't. I didn't give you permission to test for alcohol. For alcohol. Yeah, I just wanted him tested for drugs. Alcohol's no big deal." <laughs> and is this where? Um, Cleo confronts her about the potential alcoholism and she bails. Yep. Yeah. So that's the end of that story for now. Yeah. Presumably, I guess with them making one appearance uh, more each, we will get some kind of follow up on it. But fuck if I remember. I remember this part of it and I remember the follow up yeah. part of it. Anyway, let's go to our the very last clip of Alan Aldo we're going to have on this our show setting the tone in our retrospective. Ah. <sighs> can't believe it's coming gone already but uh gabe is watching carter and Halle running a trauma with a seizing gentleman lauren's favorite and uh carter asked him for help how much delay on board 400 milligrams all right keep pushing it ph is low 6.95 potassium is 6.8 why is he so acidemic he's diabetic could it be ketoacidosis no blood glucose is normal could it be septic temp and white counter normal bp stable seizure stopped i don't understand this Oh, he's throwing PVCs. All right, start the lidocaine. What the hell's going on? He's seizing again. He's going to arrest. Dr. Lawrence, can you help me? I don't work here anymore. Please, I got a guy who's coding. His pH is falling and his potassium's rising. He's having refractory seizures. Please. 
nothing obvious. It's not DKA, it's not sepsis, it's not aspirin, it's not uremia. It's not multifocal PVCs. Give me six of Pavulon. Pavulon? Just do it. What's going on? Guy with refractory seizures and acidemia. Dr. Lawrence has asked me to give him Pavulon. Come on, push it, Carter. I've never tried giving Pavulon for acidemia and seizures. It's strychnine poison. Give me that. I'll do it. How did you know? Strychnine competitively antagonizes the central inhibition of glycine, which causes hyperexcitation. I had a case like this 20 years ago. A patient tried to commit suicide by eating gopher go. Once you see strychnine poisoning, you never forget it. Check his pH. I bet you'll see it's coming back up. Dr. Carter, your patient will recover. Thank you. Score one for the absent-minded professor, huh? Okay, so hear me out. We were talking about having a round sticker design. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Martini glass, stethoscope, score one for the absent-minded professor. Ah, uh, there you go. My boy. Uh, but in all reality, what a great way for him to go out. Yeah. yeah. Head held high. Great teaching moment. Yeah. Great trauma. Yeah, I, I remembered he got a moment like this. I didn't remember the exact circumstances of it. And after the, you know, big fucking bomb that was the end of last week's episode, like I was a little uh, concerned that this week might feel tacked on. You know, like I was a little concerned that it might feel like, oh, you know, we, yeah. we, we did the big thing, but we just wanted to squeeze a little bit more, you know, juice out of the lemon. And actually, it it really works really well. Like it, I mean, mm -hmm. it it it's an ex, and it's a much better note to and a much more hopeful. Even though it's not really a story that's likely to have a happy ending, it's at least a much more hopeful note to end on than mm -hmm. where we left him at the end of last week's episode. That he's not completely gone. That he still has life left ahead yeah. of him. Yeah, yeah, and that and what we don't hear in the clip there, you know, that he, his son does agree or he does agree to live with his son, and he's gonna presumably get a chance to reconcile with him and make up for lost time and all that other stuff so like there's there's at least some small reason for hope there yeah yeah i still give his now that now that we have completed his his guest guest starring arc it's it's just as good as i remember oh yep. if, if yeah not if better. not better i mean god it's yeah i i mean it's Alan Alda, like I said. You're not going to get a exactly. bad performance. It's hard, it's hard to go wrong with that, man. Right. You're not going to get a, a, just, a bad performance out of an Alan Alda, but... It it hits it hits a little extra harder, I think, mm -hmm. this time around. Because, A, because we're going through it this over the course of five weeks, and we're picking apart little every single little bit of it because we love Alan Alda so much. Right. And just having to think that much more about the character, about Alzheimer's in general, and how it relates to Lauren and I... And just it hits home all the much more when we're doing it in the format that we're doing it For, in. First time we watched this, my dad was early into his diagnosis. Yeah. It hits much differently now. Yeah. yeah. Just as beautiful, but in a much different way now for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what more can you say? It's probably, I think, you know, being that we haven't gotten to Sally Field yet, I think this is definitely far mm -hmm. and away the best guest arc we have dealt with on the show thus far. Like, yeah without reservation uh 
but so who's gonna get to Alan Alda first in the in the notes in the notes? <laughs> I was gonna say, we, we, we might have to. Show the... This this might be another one where we say Alan Alda's a given. What's our what's yeah, all of our second yeah. choice? Yeah, I yeah. was just gonna say. I think this might have to be a genie situation where he just gets the award and then we all argue over who's second best because gotcha. not a very interesting debate otherwise. <laughs> Um, yeah. I mean, I can always pull another weird ass Romano out of the hat, so I, I'm always I, up for the and challenge. And I know you will. Uh, but we go from there. Uh, we see Mr. Owens has come back, but he's coming back this time on a gurney uh, with chest pain and a headache. Apparently, he uh, collapsed at the recital. So not great. He's very, how, he's very grumpy. I love how he blames Lucy. He's like, "You made us miss our competition." Right. Very. He's doing everything, but do, I don't know what visual I'm thinking of. But I'm thinking of a visual of a guy rolling away on a gurney with like double birds, like just. <laughs> like, I know that's not this guy. Just, I know that's not what he's doing, but just the Eli Manning. Giving yeah. Double birds. Like he's oh, no. he's just like really ornery when all Lucy was doing the whole episode was trying to help him. Uh, and hey, Mark's dad shows up finally. Yay! He's alive. Uh, the flight was overbooked, so he took a later one uh, and got paid $200 to do it. So dad's uh, Mark's dad knows how to find a bargain uh, when he sees one. And uh, Mark offers to give him a tour, and I like how he's still just the fucking curmudgeonly asshole dad where he's like, I've been in a hospital before. <laughs> and I love how Mark's like, but not this right? one. Let's go. He's like, don't you kind of run this place? Uh, I'm so ready for Mark and his dad. Just Mark, Mark, now that we've like gotten our, like we, we've had our, we've had our Alan Alda appetizer. Like I'm so ready to get into Mark and his dad now and just really dig into that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go with the last audio. Let's go to our last audio clip of the episode. Uh, Carrie and Luca are in the lounge. Dr. Kovac. Thank you. Oh, for what? We're doing a good job on a tough case. Till next time. Luca, I would like you to stay permanently. There's a, an opening here since Dr. Lawrence is leaving. Okay. Right. Don't you want to know how much it pays? It'll be fair. See you tomorrow. See ya. I want to note here, I think this is the first time we hear her use his first name. And the only reason I bring that up as a significant thing is because earlier in the season, he was talking to Carol about how professional everybody is and how nobody really, like, he's not on first name basis with anybody. Luca. 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 <laughs> yeah. And it's also kind of the beginning of one of the more, like complex but also rewarding professional relationships in the show mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's gonna have a lot of ups and downs over the next what five six seasons at yeah. least the, it lends it lends a lot of credence to the line i know you'll be fair right like yeah it was yeah. Like, mm. that's a that's the most luca response to that question like at knowing his character and just the guy he is that's but just even looking at their relationship yeah. and like how things go, yeah, and some of the shit that happens. But I mean, but it is sort of a, I mean, it is a relationship that is kind of always rooted in like mutual respect and like trust in one another that that the other person will do the right thing if given the circumstance. Even when it comes to spoilers, when it comes to Carrie's eventual departure, like luca's the one that has to bring the hammer down on her in that situation and mm -hmm. she is upset obviously because she doesn't really you know 
it's it's an upsetting it's choice. an upsetting situation but she understands that you know he has to do the right thing for the job like he ha- like i don't know it's like this is this is a like professional relationship that i'm a huge fan of like i'm i'm a big big fan of this dynamic and i'm it's one of those like mile marker moments of like holy shit we get to talk about this now for the next 5 seasons like <laughs> cool great i'm happy yay uh lizzie and pete are working on dean and um Lizzie's like, I don't think it mattered much what I did. I did it for, you know, yeah, I thought we'd save her life, but it didn't matter. She died anyway. And Benton says she didn't die alone outside under a bridge. Goddamn right. And then Dean starts crashing, and for a moment she almost doesn't shock him. She does. She uses the defibrillator, and she does shock him, but for a minute she really thinks about it. And they're like, Lizzie, Lizzie. And she goes, all right. Yeah. Green's boner has popped through his face. Stop! <laughs> so you brought it back. Yes, that means it stays in the edit. Yes. Banner. Uh, uh, this, I get. I feel like I'm going to be a broken record here, but like, excellent episode. Yeah. Not, Season? not an all-timer. It's, it's, I'm going to use the same line I've been using. Not an all-timer that you'll remember forever and go back to forever and ever, but like, solid episode. Yeah, yeah. eight. Solid. It gets a nine for me because of how beautifully they wrap up Alan Alda's storyline. I'm trying to just not give everything an eight point five or a nine this season, even though it's all really fucking good. It's really fucking good. So this, this one's gonna get an eight for yeah. me. Yeah. Told you. We're, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be over generous a lot of the times with That's, my ratings because I love season six, seven. I eight. was. I was trying to cut back on my over generosity, but season six is hitting so hard so I far know. that I just can't. I know. Just everything about it was done excellently from. I mean, you could argue the one weak spot is really Lucy. Yeah. In this episode. And not necessarily by her own design, but like it's just it's just by kind of a weak how story. other people are treating her. Yeah. So that's really why And Cleo. Yeah. And Cleo's Which kind she's of roped up in that. Overbearing. Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah I mean it, but, it's one of the more um I think Te- it, it, like on a storytelling level it's not really anything particularly special or out of the out of the the norm for uh this this point in the season um but i think what is sort of memorable and what is sort of like special about this episode is that it, they seem to take a lot more uh chances creatively uh, with the cinematography with the music like this was one of those like let's just let the set design and the production design people just play a little bit and have fun because like they do that really like i said the 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 opening shot of the episode with carter kind of following him around the er that just seems like they're showing off like that really does Mm -hmm. just seem like them playing and like like we talked about earlier in the episode like martin is just on all cylinders this episode just killing it um and there's all those really interesting stylistic choices with the cinematography that they make throughout the episode um so it's just this really like you know, even though it's maybe not the most unique or the most groundbreaking storytelling device, it really is this kind of very interesting um, snapshot of what the show can do when it gets a chance to really be creative and really do some out of the box kind of things with their cinematography and their music. Um, and yeah, easily like an 8.5 for me, like eight to nine really is just like where this season is sitting. Like, a bad, uh, 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 the weakest episode I think we've had thus far would probably still not be much lower than an eight, and that's an amazing ratio to have. Still, where as we're getting seven episodes into the season, and I know we have a really big one coming up next week. Gang, we get Abby next week. 
Yeah. Abby fucking Lockhart comes in next week. Yeah. What? And Lizzie and Daniel fall in love all over again. I mean, to be fair, Maura Tierney is a beautiful woman. But but teenage so, teenage me type. just has thoughts. Like teen, <laughs> teenage me has Daniel thoughts. You have a type. You have a type. It's gonna and be, it's women who can who can and will kick your it's ass. It's gonna be a problem when Sam shows up. Okay, that is that is a <laughs> Sophie's choice that I am not ready to grapple with. Oh, we're going to lose a lot of listeners because none of us really hate Sam. Well, see, and I'm not even talking about the character. I'm just talking about I Linda know, Cardellini. I know. I have been in love with I Linda, Linda Cardellini. I've been in love with Linda Cardellini since I was 13 years old. Yeah. We have we have this discussion at least every other month in collab chat about who it would be. But Ugh. you got, y'all can have both of them. That's but no. fine. A- a- an incredible streak to start the season, and I know it's only going to get better next week with um, – with Abby coming on board and the twins being born and all that stuff. Like next week is a jam packed episode. I'm not quite sure what happens in the one after that, but then the one after that is probably going to be one of the better Christmas episodes we've had thus far where Lucy gets a big moment to shine. So, I mean, like we're just on this Mm -hmm. incredible run to start a season. Unlike anything we have seen up to this point, marching our way right along to all in the family. (laughs) Lauren, what the listeners have to say about this one though. Let's see if I have to tap in for help this week. Uh, Melinda S. says, starting with a bang, any moment that Luca speaks Croatian is a beautiful moment. Swoon. He can call me a pumpkin anytime. The many scenes between Mark and his father are some of my favorite of the series. You really feel the strain of their lifelong struggle to connect while being completely opposite personalities. Their relationship arc is long, and I enjoy every minute of it. John Cullum is right up there with Sally Field for me in terms of favorite guest stars. My heart's already breaking thinking about how it all ends. And Alan Alda with his strychnine save, a mic drop finish to his beautifully written story. What a gift he was to this show. Franner W. says, The man who plays Mr. Perry, the husband of the attack victim, is on screen for very little time but absolutely gets this right. Also, I actually like that Carol and Meg's story does not get a happy ending for either of them, as there very often isn't in this kind of situation. That's real life, and some fairy tale Meg turning a new leaf and everyone lived happily ever after would have been disappointing and cheesy. Agreed. Um, At SMB for the win says, There is so much in this episode. We get some cold-hearted Corday, and frankly, I don't disagree considering all we learn about Rollins. The story... This whole story arc is just hard and leaves you feeling disgusting every time Rollins comes on screen. I need a shower just thinking about it. On a less depressing note, my favorite green shows up in this episode. I really do love episodes where Mark and his dad and I can't wait to see more of them. I'm skipping over Dr. Lawrence because it's just hard. I've watched a family member deal with this and it's devastating. Also, we get Quiet Romano. Quiet Romano is always serious and that means foobar. Fucked up beyond all recognition. Last, I'm picking on Carol's knitting. How is that supposed to be a hat? Your gauge is wrong and your pattern lied to you. DM me for help. <laughs> also, it's not knitting, it's crochet. That's my that's my chime in. But yes, that, that tension is way off and that is there's an easier way to crochet in the round to get that kind of hat. I learned it and it's great. This is where we're at, folks. Madness. Uh, at the full-time dad, it says, The Dean Rollins arc begins just as Gabe Lawrence rides off into the sunset with another brilliant save. 
He was only with us for five episodes, but I'll miss him terribly. Dean's multi-episode arc, on the other hand, might be the most vile. By the time it's done, I'm wishing Corday would have let him die on the operating table. Humpty Dumpty is one of those episodes that doesn't get nearly the love it deserves, balancing so many threads without one breaking. See what I did there? The Plimpton thread and its emotional conclusion, her voice echoing, screaming at Carol, is haunting. The choir bit was both funny and added texture to the tragedy unfolding with Rollins' first victim and the husband waiting outside the trauma room. Oh my god, that might be one of the best tragic scenes in the, sh the show. That must be one of the best tragic scenes the show produces. And finally, out of the pain of losing Dr. Lawrence emerges the utter joy of Luca becoming a permanent member on staff. I mean, of course we know that, but it's still a great moment and so exciting to see the rest of his story unfold. Such humble beginnings. Mm. Got a long, strange journey ahead of us with Luca. That's all <laughs> I can say. Uh. But for today, that's going to about wrap up our episode. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. Much, 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 much appreciated. Uh, this show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. A lot of good ones coming down the pipeline, folks. And over 30 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. A bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in, the lives, in our lives in that moment. Most recently, Pokemon Arceus. Uh, movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saiyan and Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Laura, where can folks find you at besides watching Mad Men? Oh, folks can find me getting really sucked into AEW now that Keith Lee has been signed and I've figured out how to watch it on our TV at my personal Twitter at Lobob92345. Love my beautiful boy. And you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at RandomGamer, that's jm 3 r as well as on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Diablo 3 with Lauren. Uh, new episodes of that are out every Wednesday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Mm -hmm.